0: we'll still be one body in Christ come with me and I will teach you to catch men as in the King James we're familiar follow me and I will make you fishers of men today is acumenical Sunday in the United Methodist Church and other denominations acumenically minded denominations and it culminates a week of the Christian week of for prayer for Christian unity when so many denominations pray that somehow we can all be uh, more unified as the body of Christ. We affirm our unity in the body that all believers are members of the household of God and of uh, uh, and of the body of Christ. Even those that believe that they're the only ones and... And the rest us are not, we still believe they are, even if they don't believe we are. <laughs> uh, that all who place any faith at all in Christ are one body in Christ. And one of the uh, great heartbreaks, I guess you'd say, you, that uh, many people have had over the centuries was the the broken the brokenness of institutions and the inability of institutional uh, Christianity to reflect that oneness uh, with uh, you know ever more uh, growing denominations, growing numbers of churches and independent churches and various denominations. And um, part of that I think is where we might think of, uh, of churches uh, breaking up and starting new churches being like a divorce and that's always pretty painful imagery. But if we think of it instead of uh, family members starting a new family and still being connected, but brothers and sisters or children or grandchildren and all having their own households within that household. I think that it's a little more comfortable and maybe a little more realistic for um, what has, what has happened in the church because um, I don't see any way that all the denominations could all come together as one institution again certainly not in our lifetimes and hadn't been in hundreds of, you know several many generations of other lifetimes too. Bishop Sally Dick of the North Illinois Conference wrote a nice article about this the other day about uh, thinking of uh, thinking of, uh, of Jacob and Esau and how they were one family but they just couldn't get along at all until finally they separated and went their own ways and then they came back together and were able to rejoice that they were still one family, but they had their separate households and lived their separate lives the way that they thought was best. Uh, Right now, we celebrate this uh, Christian unity at a time when there's been several proposals laid out for our denomination uh, to vote on in May, for the delegates to vote on in May. Uh, And uh, most of them have... (laughs) Have a, are about some way of dividing the denomination up into at least two other denominations or dissolving it all together and just starting something else altogether. The one that has the most traction seems to be, right now anyway, or gaining the most support is the Protocol for Separation, which would leave the United Methodist Church just as we are, without uh, but it would remove every, all the language that uh, That is non-inclusive, especially for LGBTQ. That would all be removed from our discipline, and we would be, um, we would be, you know, we'd all be free. The things that we all stand for here would be what the denominate would be the denominational position. We'd have uh, be a completely inclusive denomination. Well, a lot of people don't like that, (coughs) and of course, as evidenced by the last general conference. (laughs) And so, um, but what they're, then? What this protocol for separation would do is that, that those churches and or and even conferences, if it was a whole conference, clergy persons, everybody that would like to leave them and form a new denomination, then uh, then they would be permitted to do that and take their um, local church property with them and form a new uh, denomination. And then, uh, of course, we have a lot of. Um, denominational assets that have accumulated over the years and so those rather than breaking any of those up uh, the denomination would um, provide a financial assistance to the new denomination, the United Methodist Church would provide a financial uh, assistance to the new denomination in forming that and that that would be um, in lieu of trying to figure out how to divide up the (laughs) all of our uh, institutions and organizations and all like that that we have. So we would still have the UMCOR and the missions and the uh, United Methodist Communications, all that would remain there. And so that's the one that has really been getting a lot of traction because uh, uh, people... Who, we would like to see the United Methodists move forward as an inclusive organization instead of non-inclusive or continue having this argument between people. And, others would like to start over in a denomination that is not inclusive and um, we would help them do that (laughs) would be pretty much the way that that goes and um, if we would look at that the way uh, you know as um, siblings who have two different ideas about how they want to live and so they move into form different uh, their own households it's maybe a little less painful and more realistic uh, view of, uh, of what that would be like. Uh, and I like to thank a lot of times of our uh, of, of our church as the United Me- the Methodist tradition when, um, John Wesley was an Anglican minister and he never did leave his denomination informing them. He ordained uh, ministers to begin the Methodist church in America and but he stayed a priest in the Church of England so that's more like being a parent denomination than, a, than spouses not getting along or something it's more like one denomination sort of giving birth to another and, and then we took on certain characteristics but then we took on our own as well and before that the uh, Roman Catholic Church and before that the uh, Universal Church and yet through all of that different people have had different ideas about how things should be done and there was always been people forming groups that even if they, anybody, like how they used to do is in countries used to try to force everybody to be a member of one church. And that still didn't work because people would be dissidents to that and they would start their own groups anyway. And so it, to me it's more important that we have the unity, that our unity be not in having... The same organization and the same institution, but that we all have the same love and the same Lord. And a lot of times, some of that gets lost in these other arguments. <clears throat> and sometimes they can be recaptured uh, by stepping back from each other a little bit and refocusing on the love of Christ for one another. Because we all, whatever the issues are uh, in religion or in politics, we all have friends on both sides of the issue. <laughs> And we love them, and so many times, you know, in <clears throat> politics, and religion, today, you know, we think, you know, how, you know, it's hard to um, express our love for one another when we're at odds with each other so much. So, if we can give each other a little space, I think that'd be good. Uh, so, that's kind of the lens I've been looking at this passage of scripture through this week. Of course, everything going on on TV when we sing uh, our song about the story we have for the nations. uh, It seems like how can we ever get that message across with all that's going on in the church and and in politics and in the world around us and everything. How do we ever get that message? But we don't really. We've seen, I think, throughout history of the church that we at our church don't have to get the message to everybody we had our church get the message to the people that we come into contact with. We love our neighbor, we love our community, we love the people that are in our lives and we demonstrate the love of Christ where we are and then they in turn where they are and others in turn where they are and so it kind of ripples around like that and other groups are doing the same thing and they're in all these different denominations you know we um, um, Part of the reason why I said, uh, made the title of this, we'll still be uh, united in, in the body of Christ, uh, is that uh, if our denomination does break into the two different denominations, or somebody, uh, you know, one leaves and forms another one, uh, we'll probably both still be um, members of the World Methodist Council where there's uh, about 128 other denominations that have done that in the past in the past couple of hundred years of Methodism many of them are active right here in our community of churches that have, that were Methodist and then for the various reasons uh, started their own denomination we'll still be a part of that we'll still be a part of different other types of church councils and groups and associations um, we'll still be a part of the body of Christ, we'll still be loving Christ and still in mission uh, to the world and still trying to um, spread uh, scriptures and the scriptures and the message about Jesus and that's really what makes us one more than, more than uh, any other more than anything else that we do is that we're, there's the song we are one in the spirit we are one in the Lord and we pray that all unity will one day be restored and they'll know we are Christians by our love by our love they'll know we're Christians by our love so in this passage of uh, scripture Jesus, the Bible tells about the light of the world and uh, as Jesus begins preaching and um, it refers back to the prophecy that the people that sat in darkness have seen a great light and, um, when Jesus came in then to the world and John d- describes him as the light of the world and uh, when we go back to the very beginning of the, in, of the Bible in Genesis you know that's how creation began was with God said let there be light and there was light And uh, you know, there's a psalmist who, who spoke of the word as a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Then, when Jesus began to preach in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, he he delegated that, he assigned that, he actually transmitted that light through us to the world. When he said, "You are the light of the world," and we just like we, if we just think of Jesus as the light of the world only, um, then that kind of limits what his what he was trying to do. He's trying to pass that light on to each of us. To everybody who comes into the light and believes in him becomes a part of that light. In fact, when he was talking with Nicodemus early in his ministry in John chapter 3, say that verse 316 with me real quick. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, then he went on to say because God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then he goes on to say this is the only condemnation is that light has come into the world. And some people chose light. They preferred darkness over the light. And so that's where, the, you know, what, what Christ is trying to show us, it, <clears throat> that there isn't any condemnation, it's the light. The light is here. Step into the light and see what is true and what is right. And then You'll be a children of the light, unless you choose not to, unless you choose darkness, unless you choose to turn your turn a blind eye, unless you choose to 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 not see what's there. Then um, you know, then you will be free. You will be in the living in the light. So that then it becomes the condemnation. It calls us to be not only people who step into the light, but that through us our light will shine because going back there into that, he said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Don't put your light under a bushel. Saved out for everybody to see. And so then if we think, you know, and we're not, so then like I said, I was kind of looking at that through the lens of ecumenism and of church unity and everything. And it's like if we would. Uh, what we need to always be doing is continue to stand for what we see is the right, as we have done. If our if it if our if our message doesn't seem to be getting through, then say it again. If the light isn't shining bright enough, turn it up a little bit. The dimmer switch, you know, might be turned down. Turn that up. Put it bright. Somehow, you know, intensify the light because people see when they see the light, then. it You know, like this guy that stayed up all night, wondering where the sun went, and finally it dawned on him. It's kind of like that. (laughs) We just have to let the light shine brighter and trust what Jesus says. You know, the light penetrates the darkness. The darkness can't put the light out. Light darkness doesn't penetrate light. Light. Penetrates darkness, and so it just keeps spreading. The brighter that our light shines, and then, and then, we share this commission. We share the commission of letting the light shine, regardless of what our beliefs are. Let that light shine. We share the commission: go, make disciples of all people. And going circling back again to the, um, you know, in the World Methodist Council one of the most prominent and, uh, and powerful institutions within the World Methodist Council is the Foundation for Evangelism. And, and it's been a powerful witness over the years of all the different denominations that have um, formed out of Methodism coming together for evangelism to reach out and tell the good news of Christ and, uh, and to preach the gospel and encourage the preaching of the gospel. And even with the differences that we have, we come together to do what John Wesley said when he sent those first people over to, uh, he said, offer them Christ. Offer them Christ. And that's our that's our real central job regardless of what we feel about other things, uh, is to offer them Christ. And everything else is, uh, is important. It's important that we take our stands that we take and that When we see the light, we stay in the light and and don't get drawn out of it by people that haven't seen the light yet. But then they think that they're doing the same thing. We just have to kind of work through those things. But in the meantime, we're called to make disciples. That's our great commission, to help people come into saving knowledge of Christ. And when they do, Christ will lead them where they need to go. And so we're united in that. United as disciple makers these uh, people that just started out as his disciples the people that he sent out were few in number but look now throughout the world we're uh, spread all over the world and the gospel continues to reach out and people come to know Christ in very personal ways I think this right here is where <clears throat> um where in this passage ends up that after calling his disciples and after referring back to the light of the world prophecies and all but then he starts healing people and that's part of of our commission as disciple makers as followers of Christ is to spread the healing power the healing touch of Christ and a lot of times you know that if we're really when we're really putting our faith into practice and we take it off the paper and just put it into our the way we relate to each other, a lot of things change, don't they? Our faith gets reshaped and our understanding of the words themselves get reshaped when it, when it takes on actual life and, and actual people that we're um, connected with and the people that we know and love then that helps shape our understanding of what Christ was doing and what he calls us to do as not just an institution or even a congregation but as each as individuals and each as people who love one another in Christ uh, and healing is a, a big part of that sacramentally we uh, anoint people with oil and lay hands on them and pray for them to be healed and that's a big part of of the message of healing but uh what he's, you know he also said if somebody has thirsty, give them a cup of water whoever gives somebody a cup of water will not lose their reward and so it's in our um three general rules that have been passed down to us from the beginning of methodism first do no harm and that is uh, also the medical profession's number one rule two is that we don't whatever we do don't cause more trouble, don't make it worse and, and a lot of times you know that seems like it, it would be um, you know, common sense, but then uh, a lot of times isn't our first reaction if somebody wants to start an argument is to throw something back at them well then doesn't that just make it worse then they throw something and we do, and then we're embroiled in arguments and we and everything and, and it's 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 causing more harm than good it's like pouring gasoline on fire <clears throat> and you know and we can always say well we have a right to, to this you know we do but then again you know <laughs> it's still going to cause more problems so what we're really trying to do if we're healing is to first not do anything that makes it worse and uh, you know uh, i think about uh, in the church a lot of times what happens is that we start throwing Bible verses at each other. And we start finding a Bible verse that backs up our side, then they find one that backs up their side. And, and pretty soon then we're just uh, accusing each other of not even believing in the Bible, and accusing each other of not loving God, or not loving Him because if you really were a Christian, you wouldn't do this or that. And sometimes it's gone to a lot of extremes. <laughs> <laughs> over the years, about what well, if you were, were not were a truly Christian, you wouldn't do whatever, and it would be something like a way out that doesn't have anything to do with it you know i don 't want to name one because somebody might say, well that was the one I was thinking of. <laughs> but but you know Jesus did say that the mark of our faith of our being a true disciple of him is that we love one another, and if we can the more we can zero in on that. Then the more we can maybe not do so much harm <laughs> and finger point and accusing of other people. It's like, so I have friends on both sides of just about any issue you can come up with, and I want to stay friends with them. But sometimes it's hard. I, you know, I've been unfriended by some lifelong friends. i unfriended on Facebook over things that I took a position on and stuff. And it's like, well, uh, you know, what I mean, it's. Uh, kind of funny in a way, but it's kind of painful in a way too, is that, you know, there's not a reason when we love Christ and we love one another, there's not a reason to, to be able to um, work things out somehow. And even if it's creating different organizations, then that's what we need to do, or whatever. But um, we need to love one another through it all. And so not doing harm is one big way that we can administer healing to the whole world by not contributing to the hurts. And um, then our second general rule is to do good. And sometimes there's not, there's not a lot we can do. Sometimes there might be only a little we can do. It might be that cold cup of water. It might be a wash rag on their head when they're sick. Or it might be, you know, just a smile or a handshake or a note or... Just all any small little act of kindness that we can do might spur a little bit of healing, any kind of encouragement and a good word and, and, and you know in our relationship with other Christians that have beliefs and practices that are different than ours we we can we can be interested in what that is and what why they have those beliefs and practices and be affirming of the ones that we, that uh, touch us uh, especially the ones we have in common and the ones that but, but also of the ones that uh, might be different something in the way that we wouldn't do it but, but if we can just have an understanding there you know, and an affirmation of their faith in Christ I think that uh, goes a long way sometimes it's only just a little bit sometimes it's only prayer but yet prayer changes things prayer changes us and changes the world and gives, sometimes it gives an opening. Sometimes we find in our prayers, uh, like it gives us an opening. We might pray for Lord, open the door for this relationship, open the door for this uh, next step that we need to take. And then out of that prayer, you know, we see at least maybe our next step, something that we can do. Uh, so, the, so that is an important part of our healing. Is that we take the next step, that we pray, and that we look for opportunities to do something good. And then uh, the third of the general rules is to let, stay in love with God. <laughs> uh, is it, express, uh, use the means of grace, attend to the ordinances of the church, all that different ways of expressing that. Staying in love with God. Just keep going to church, keep loving one another, keep worshiping, keep reading the Bible, practice the sacraments, pray at home and uh, have your Bible study, go to Bible study and do the different things that strengthen your faith and that give other people an opportunity to, to become a part of the faith community. Uh, all of this, just like us being here today and you know, worshiping together, we're, we're sharing the love of Christ among us and we're meditating on his word and we're singing his hymns we're, we're not shaking hands because of our own. we don't want to spread anything around right now you know but we'll start shaking hands again when everybody's not sick anymore <laughs> we'll go back to big hugs and, and everything but we're, we're trying to you know we're creating community among us and it's an opportunity for other people to be a part of it if they would like to it's an opportunity to Share the word of God and the love of Christ among us and then take that out into the world. And so that's what Christ calls us to. And uh, Again, looking at this passage through the eyes of the unity of the church, these are the things that unite us. These are the things that make us one in the Spirit. And that's what Christ calls us to, a unity that transcends any differences that we have and allows us the freedom to be who we are and to encourage others, each other around us to be our full selves, our best selves and holds us together, keeps us moving forward in Christ and so the invitation I think for us today is to keep our eyes on Jesus, keep firm in our our beliefs and the affirmations the stands that we take and the Direction that we're going, remember that we are right where God wants us to be. And to praise God for how that affects the world around us. In the name of Jesus, amen.